over and over again, even to the very beginning of this message. So I need uh, Daniel and Luke to come up, Daniel Sidler. So I, my name is Brian. I'm a, a bond servant of Jesus. Uh, Daniel here also is a bond servant of Jesus. And Luke is going to open us up in prayer today. You ready? Dear Lord, thank you for our food and our family and um, um, nature and an earth to live on and friends and family. Amen. Good job. Okay. Whoa. Okay. And there was light. Okay. So that is something Paul would do. Paul was all about calling the next generation to step up. And what a beautiful testimony to, to have someone step up, especially that young. So today we are in Philippians. And everybody, you have a connecting point. You can use this to take notes. Now, what's more important to me is if you have small kids, they need to see that you are excited about God's Word. I want you to take notes. I get more out of it if I take notes. But what I would rather you do if you have children is for them to see your excitement and you to engage them while we're teaching today. I would love to see you guys talking to your kids and asking them questions about what we're talking about. If they're not getting something or you want to check something, talk to them. I love just incorporating our body, talking to our family, and making this not more than a message here. Make it life. Take it home. And I mean, that, that's, that was another thing is Daniel also, he, he has this uh, Kids Connect that you can actually take this home and, and talk about today's message with your family. So don't let it stop here, please. Uh, so Dan... Lynch did a phenomenal job last week. I was blown away. Uh, he, he taught us uh, the first part of Philippians 1. He was teaching uh, verse 1 through 18. He was teaching the key to purpose in fellowship, promise, and circumstance. Now we're going we're gonna to pick up where Dan left off, but I'm, I'm really excited because I, didn't, I wasn't able to actually be at the message, so I didn't hear his message until Thursday. After I've had already prepared what I was doing today. Dan and I are teaching on a lot of the same stuff. Now, what does that mean? In God's Word, when you hear something more than once, it's a take notice. So it's important. God is trying to tell us something. So we need to be alert and listening to what He's got for us today. Uh, does anyone need a Bible? If you need a Bible, raise your hand. If you need connecting points or anything else, raise your hand. And we can and put those into uh, your hands today. So we're in uh, Philippians. The, the keys to life is today's message. And we can go to a slide right quick. So I thought we would start Philippians today. I, have, we, we, I haven't been to Rome uh, to where Paul was in prison, but we are in prison with Paul right now. He's writing to the Philippians from prison. And this was, so this is Caesarea in Israel. And you can imagine there was a palace that went 300 yards out into the ocean. 
this enormous, gorgeous place. Well, Paul didn't get to live in the palace while he was in Caesarea. He got to live in prison. So when he got uh, captured by the Jews, he was sent to Festus in Caesarea. So I thought it'd be cool. Yeah, next slide. So we don't know exactly where the prison was in Caesarea, but we got to walk through Caesarea and there are parts of it that are very confined and cold and not really that comfortable. So you got to think, Paul spent, we don't know for sure how long, but between five and six years of his life in prison, but he made it a prison ministry. It's amazing to me that he wrote so many books while in prison encouraging the saints. It's really, really cool. So we have one more slide. So just imagine being cooped up so this is Caesarea. He sells from Caesarea and then goes on to, to be in Rome in prison there. And in, in Caesarea, what was cool, and you get to hear a little bit of Paul's heart because uh, Festus brought in his buddies, uh, Bernice and King Agrippa, and Paul gave the gospel message to everybody he was around. So King Agrippa even says, Paul, would you make me a Christian in so short a time? And here's Paul's humility. Paul says, King Agrippa, I wish you were like me in all things except these chains. So he had a heart for anyone who would listen to Jesus being preached. Uh, next slide. So we're, so we're going to read right now uh, Philippians. We're going to read Philippians 9 through 26. And... The points of our, our message today are going to be in the last four verses of Philippians. So in Philippians 1, verse 19, so you can turn there. For I know this, and, and the this here is Paul's imprisonment, will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will be, not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now as always be exalted. Now exalted here is, it's in the past, or the, the passive tense in the Greek. I'm, I'm still learning this Greek stuff. It's completely new to me. But the Bible is so cool because the further you go down into it, the further in you can go. God always meets you at whatever le level you are and gives you more good stuff. So the, the exalted means uh, it is done to you. So it was not done in his power. So be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. But if I'm to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. So reading this makes me question how much of my life is bearing fruit. I do not know which to choose. But I'm hard-pressed from both directions having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is much better, yet to remain on in the flesh, which is more necessary for your sake. So today is, 
This is kind of like family worship at the Tootin home, just on a much bigger scale. You guys are welcome to come anytime you want. We'll be in our pajamas at 6 a.m. every day. So what we do at the Tootins is we kind of make things more active. So Paul here, he's got a scale. So I want you to, to hold your hands up. We got two options here. So, so kind of make a scale, okay? Are we just as passionate about either option? Are we as passionate to go home and be with Jesus right now or to have a fruit-filled labor? We're going to be talking about that kind of stuff today. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. So today's question is, am I living and dying Christ? Let's, we're going to look at three ways Paul answers this question. So our first way is one with Christ. And we're going to read Philippians 1.27. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. In the Greek, conduct yourselves means to act in a manner as a citizen. So Paul is telling them to behave as a citizen of heaven. So that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together, for faith of the gospel. I want you to hear the Lord's heart in his last prayer before the cross. In John 17, he says, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. If we're one, he believes, or the world will believe. What does being one in Christ look like? We get our model at the Pentecost. The believers have been praying for the Holy Spirit to come. And when it did, they were able to speak with spirit-filled boldness to the crowds. So turn with me to Acts 2. We're going to be reading uh, verse 41 to 46. So then, those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship. Now, fellowship is koinonia. Dan talked about that last week. It means partnering to work together in the gospel. To the breaking of bread and to prayer, Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need, day by day with one mind in the temple. And breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Unity was the Acts 2 believer's witness 
of what Christ was doing in their lives. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, and that there be no division among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. Peter says it this way, Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your soul with a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Paul continues, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in a bond of peace. We are to speak only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that they may benefit from it. There should be no gossip in the body. David said, who slanders a neighbor in secret? Will I reduce to silence? Haughty eyes and arrogant hearts I cannot endure. And then Solomon goes, For the lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisper, quarreling ceases. So how do we become one in Christ? I was asking that question, and the Lord gave me uh, some his a history lesson, basically. So he, he told me about the Morovians. Now the Morovians are this little group of people in the 1700s in, let's see if I can get this right, Hernhut, Germany. And there's about 300 believers here. They're racked with dissension and bickering. The, the head of the, the body just can't figure out what can we do, Lord, in this body to help unify us. Well, he, he was reading God's word. He was trying to figure out, what do I do? He read Acts 2. They prayed. So he decided, he's like, okay, Lord, we are going to cover you with prayer. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we need to be praying as a body before the throne of God. 24 men and 24 women stepped forward. Seven of the women were actually young girls. So the children were invited into this fellowship of prayer. And they, they based that on Leviticus. A fire shall be kept burning continually on the altar. It is not to go out. And in 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Guess what the result was? They became an Acts 2 community. The dissension and bickering ceased. The Holy Spirit fell on the community and revival occurred in the adults and also in the children. There was a, a large children revival at the same time. Now guess how long the prayer vigil lasted, John? Say it loud. 24 hours. 24, 24 hours. I like that. Okay. Guess how long the prayer vigil lasted? 100 years. Multi-generational faithfulness. The only reason it stopped, and it didn't really stop, it lasted 100 years. At 100 years, war came in and split up the community. But by that time, the gospel message had gone around the world, and each one of the missionaries that went out from that community, 
they took that call with them. So the 24-hour prayer thing is probably still going on in some Moravian communities. So I want you to look at your bulletin, in your bulletin, and you should have a slide, or a flyer, bright orange. I think God is eager to show up in a big way. He's already moving among us. Let's plead with him to bring a spiritual awakening, a koinonia, a partnering of the fellowship. The wildfire, so if you look at this uh, flyer, the wildfire conditions are perfect right now. As Americans, 21% say they have no religion. 88% of our kids, evangelical kids that go to church, will leave the church by the time they're 18. 31% claim Christ, yet only 7% actually believe his word and follow his teaching. I think we're ready for a fire. And I, I, what, I've, what God's been showing me is we need a lightning strike. We need a spiritual lightning start, strike to start a spiritual revival. So I'm challenging the body to step up. Like I challenged Luke to come up here today. He came up here and he prayed over all of us. I'm, I think the Lord is calling us to action. I think the Lord is calling us to prayer in a way that we haven't done before. And I'm asking that the Lord move on your hearts. Whoever wants to join us in it, the Teutons are in. I think we should bathe the Lord in prayer 24 hours, seven days a week. We pray through the summer and see what God does. I think He can do amazing things in our families, in our body, in the body of Christ, which goes way outside of Cornerstone. And I'm excited. So this flyer, you guys can look at it, pray about it. If, if God, God is pricking your spirit right now, and he might, you might be going, I don't have an hour a day to give. So I'm calling 24 families. You can break up your hour in your family group, but I think families should unite and bond and do this. So it's a challenge to the body. You can sign up. There's a sign-up sheet. Uh, there's a, a link to go to to sign up. I encourage you to sign up, and let's try it for the summer. Let's see what God does. So... I'm excited. And, and one of the great quotes, so Dan, Daniel Siddler, I, I met with him this week, and we talked a little bit about this, and I love his quote. He said, the juice is worth the squeeze. Okay? So what that means, and the way King David said it, is, I will not give the Lord that which costs me nothing. That's an important, an important part of the process. So how can we become one in Christ, one with Christ? We can be united with Christ so that with one voice we may glorify the Lord. Romans 15, 5 through 6. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus so that... With one accord, you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father, 
our Lord Jesus Christ. So turning back to Philippians, chapter 1, verse 27, said, To stand firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That is the definition of unity. In verse 28, it continues, In no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you. And that too from God. This is calling us to be fearless in Christ. What does fearless in Christ look like? And why is it important? God is always the right place to find the answers. So you just have to dig in. So please, don't take my word for it. Dig. The Bible is before you. The Holy Word of God, He will meet you wherever you are. It is so cool. So Dan took us to Acts 16 last week. He did a phenomenal job unpacking Philippi and how the, the angel of the Lord spoke to, to Paul and told him to go to Macedonia. So they're there. They get beaten. They're thrown in prison. The jail is shaken. The prison guard is saved. His family saved. Huge miracle. So turn to Acts 16 now, and we're going to read uh, 35 through 40. Now when day came, the chief magistrates sent their policemen saying, Release those men. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the chief magistrates have sent, you, sent to release you. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They have beaten us in public without a trial, men who are Romans, and have thrown us into prison, and now are sending us away secretly? No, indeed. But let themselves come and bring us out. The policemen reported these words to the chief magistrates and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Now remember in Philippians 28, we just read, which is a sign of destruction for them. The magistrates did not conduct themselves as citizens of Rome. They didn't behave themselves. They beat a fellow Roman without a trial and now they're terrified. And then on in 39, and they came and appealed to them. This is the magistrates are appealing to Paul. And when they had brought them out, they kept begging them, please, to leave the city. They went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they saw the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. A sign of salvation to you. It's so beautiful. Paul's life is his story. I mean, he, he doesn't even need to write. He just needs to live, and they can see it. Paul was begged to leave, but he did not. Instead, he went to fellowship with the new believers in Philippi. The magistrates were scared of the trouble Paul could cause them if Paul reported them to the Romans. Paul intentionally went and spent time with Lydia and the brethren. 
the magistrates might not harm the new believers because of Paul. So cool. So how do we become fearless in Christ? Peter and John help us find the answer as they stand before the rulers on the charge of healing a lame man. So now we're going to flip back into Acts 4. So we're in Acts 4, and we're going to read 8 through 13. Then Peter, <coughs> filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by his, this name, this man stands before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they had, were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. How do we become fearless in Christ? We spend time with Jesus. Paul spent 10 years, 10 plus years after his conversion, before going into full-time ministry with Jesus. He knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards. But he needed to be recognized as having been with Jesus. How do we spend time with Jesus? In two ways. We spend time in the Word. In John 1, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And we also spend time talking with Jesus. In Mark 1, he gives us the example in the early morning, it was still dark. Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. In Luke 6, he says, And it was at this time he went off to pray, and he spent the whole night to prayer in God. We need to be fearless in Christ so that we may be a tool for his glory. And then we can watch and see what he does. In Joshua 4, 23-24, he tells us, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed, just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord is mighty, so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Are you glorifying his name? in unity, in fearlessness, and through our last point, in suffering. Let's go back and read Philippians 1, and we'll do 27 through 30. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come 
and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's glorifying in unity. In no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. That's glorifying in fearlessness. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake, experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me. He was a prisoner in Philippi. They saw it. And now to hear in me. He's a prisoner in Rome as he's writing this. Are we called to, surf, are, are we called to suffer? We are not only called, but we are granted being allowed the opportunity to suffer for his sake. You can turn to Acts 9, and we're going to read 9 through 16. So after the Lord met Saul on the road to Damascus and struck him with blindness, this, this is what was said. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias... And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen a vision of a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So in 2 Corinthians, we get a list of Paul's sufferings. Imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times, and this is Paul talking, I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day have I spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure, apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. So what is beautiful about Paul, through all of those afflictions, listen to his heart. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, 
with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, he is strong. So what is the result of Paul's life? He suffered a lot for Jesus. Well, he wrote 13 books in the Bible. He started several churches through his missionary journeys. To be like Paul was to learn to be about, to be, to, to be like Paul was to learn about Jesus. It's so cool. It, the Philippians jailer is a great example. I love that the whole Praetorian guard, and Dan made mention of this last week, heard about Jesus. Caesar's household knew about Jesus, and they knew why Paul was in chains. Paul was in chains for Jesus. It reminds me of this, uh, there's, there's a story, this guy named uh, Pastor Watchman Nee. He's a pastor in China, and he's like a modern-day Paul. He's in prison. He's writing letters out to the churches. The churches are so encouraged with his letters that the, the, the police are like, we got to stop this. So we're going to double Pastor Nee's guards. And we're going to only let them sit in front of Pastor Nee for one, one time, six hours. So Pastor Nee gets on his knees and he prays. And he prays over these men and he loves them in the name of Jesus. He tells the guards about a father's love and willingness to send his own son to die on the cross so the guard would live forever in heaven. Five hours into the prayer, or into the sermon, five hours into the sermon, the guards in tears... Okay, the guards in tears, another soul is won for heaven and another letter is delivered via the guard. And this happened over and over and over again. So cool. So let's, let's take it back to the Monrovians. Okay, they had a prayer vigil that lasted 100 years. Well, after 65 years, well, six months into their prayer vigil, amazing... Uh, I say it facetiously, but amazingly, God puts it on their heart to evangelize. Oh, really? Okay, well, what's that going to be like? So 65, so, so they, they get, uh, how many, they get 26 volunteers, and they draw lots. Okay, the known world, Turkey, Iceland, all over the world. We're going to go wherever God calls us to do. They draw lots, and they go. Here, here are the things they faced. Prison, shipwrecks, persecution, ridicule, plague, abject poverty, and threats of death. Within 65 years of the praying vigil, when it started, the small Moravian community had sent over 300 missionaries to the utter ends of the earth. How large was their community to begin with? 300 people. So they basically, in 65 years, they've sent out 300 people. Now, after they started praying and the Holy Spirit fell upon them, their community exploded, and it went from 300 to 1,000 really quick because people saw God moving, and they wanted to get on that train. Everybody wants to be where God is. We just have to pray for it. We may not all be world missionaries and suffer in, the way, in that way for Christ. However... Each one of us has the opportunity to suffer. Experiencing tribulations 
and our response to those trials can glorify the Lord and strengthen our testimony in Him. Or we can do like Job's wife and curse God and die. It's our option. But here's what God's Word tells us if we're digging. In James, it says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have a perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. For years, as a family, our verse in prayer has been Romans 5, 3 through 5. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance brings about proven character. Proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God knows our heart. We are not praying for tribulation just to suffer. but that through it we may grow and persevere in character and hope. Our heart is to grow. We want to grow. So over the last three years, I've, over the last three years, I've lost, I've almost lost my Jody a couple of different times. We had one time where we're in an emergency room and the doctors, they gave up. She, she was too far gone. They, told, they came to me and they said, okay, you need to start preparing yourself because this doesn't look good and we can't do anything else for her. Right before they told me that, I was praying, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid for the Lord your God is with you whithersoever you go. God sent me a warrior just before I heard that news, like two minutes before I heard that news. Chad Ryan came to me. I mean, came to me in the emergency room in the middle of the night, and he prayed with me. Five minutes of his time meant everything to me. So the doctors gave up. They put us in ICU. And praise the Lord. We don't need the doctors in this scenario anymore. They've given up. Who do we turn to? We turn to Jesus. So we put a phone on Jody's chest and we had friends calling in and praying over her. And as one of them was praying mightily, we watched the, she, her, her vitals were going. They were going down. And then as, as he's praying, the vitals immediately start going up. And we walked out within 24 hours after several blood transfusions. Praise God and God alone. God was broadcast through ICU. He brought warriors to my side. He brought Dan Levin in the middle of the emergency room to come and cry with me in my pain and Jody's pain. He brought Brian Johnson. I mean, it was beautiful the way the body came around us. And it also reminded me that None of us know the day or the hour. We don't. But God, so it's really important that we 
belong to Jesus. We know that we belong to Jesus. We call out to Jesus. And if he's tugging or knocking at the door, that we go to the word. The word just says to trust in him and believe and you will be saved. So we just have to call out. Another time Jody was really sick. She passed out for 20 seconds. Her eyes are wide open. And I was thinking maybe the Lord had just given her her house. She's been praying for this mansion and we just got, she just got a mansion in the sky. Okay? I've never been closer to the Lord nor spent more time with Him in His Word and on my knees than in the midst of suffering. I mean, we have people that can attest to that. Every one of us will have the opportunity to suffer. It may not look the same. It may not look like the persecution in the communist or Muslim countries. But it is so important that we dig into God's Word to understand how to see suffering for what it is. It is an opportunity for our good. I, I, I can't even go into all the things. Like It's so amazing, all the stuff that has come in that, that could go here. But if you're in uh, tribulation right now, if you, you are experiencing stuff, a valuable resource. Uh, Don Vandergeesen gave me a, a chapter of a book, Disciple of Grace by Jeff Bridges. It's called The Discipline of Adversity. It's a must read. It's not very long, but it, it has a biblical perspective of suffering through Hebrews 12. And it's, it's wonderful. So now we're going we're gonna to go to uh, 2 Corinthians. One, three through four. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and you guys don't have to go there, but you can if you want, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which ourselves are comforted. Let's comfort each other right now. I love to pray. I love the body praying. So we're gonna actually get up and get into our small groups. And I want, you to, I want you to pray specifically, find out if there is a need in, in your group and pray together for that need. Pray for spiritual lightning to light our body on fire, that we have a spiritual Revival, a wildfire in our midst. So let's, let's get up together right now. We'll pray for five minutes or so, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. All right. <clears throat> As we start wrapping up. So I'd like to leave you with a, a story. about a Romanian pastor. So as we start sitting back down again. <coughs> pastor Richard Warmbrand. He was in Romania for 14 years. Uh, he was in prison for 14 years for his faith in Jesus Christ. He was placed in solitary prison 
devoid of light and sound. While in prison, he continued to preach to an unseen audience. He was called to preach to an unseen audience. When he was finally free, he wrote books about his time in solitary confinement. He wrote down all the sermons that he had, he had delivered in solitary confinement that he had memorized while he was in prison. I want to read a letter to, to Pastor Warmbrand. Dear Pastor Warmbrand, this is after he got out. He's written the books. It's been a couple of years. I was raised in a godly home, but I strayed and eventually ended up in prison here in Canada. Warmbrand's in Romania. I wanted to return to God, but I didn't know how. So I prayed, God, if there is somewhere in the world there is another lonely prisoner who knows you, please bring me his thoughts. I heard an inner voice telling me to sit quietly and confidently and that God would reach me. Miraculously, night after night after night, I began hearing a kind of sermon that seemed to come from far, far away. I repented, and after my release from prison, I ran across your book, Sermons in Solitary Confinement, in a Christian bookstore. I immediately recognized these sermons as the same ones I heard in prison. Thank you for delivering them. Pastor Wormbrand received other letters from other countries that were almost identical. Wow. Wow. If we only allow God to use us any way He chooses. He spent 14 years in prison, but He had a prison ministry. We suffer for Christ so that we may be more like Him. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance. Remember, Paul was close to all the area where this stuff's happening, so he's, he's writing from what he experienced. Let us run from endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Today's question was, am I living and dying Christ? Am I one with Christ? Am I fearless with Christ? Am I suffering for Christ? Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you. You have given us so many stories. So many stories. You are the God of stories. Yours is the story. Thank you so much for delivering them so well. Your word is so exciting. And then the stories of your saints outside your word that keep following it is so exciting. 
May we be like them. Father, bring your holy fire. Change us now. Make us uncomfortable. Use us in our weakness. We sure do love you, Lord. And we are excited what you're going to do. So in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.